Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, good morning and welcome to Valley Point Church. And if you're here on Facebook Live, want to welcome you as well. Glad you've chosen to join us in that way this morning. And good morning as we continue our summer teaching series called Nine Flavors. And I hope you've enjoyed this series so far. I have. My name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point Church. And throughout this series, we have been discussing what it means to walk by the Spirit and what that means. So we've talked about a lot of things that revolve around our natural desires, that is, If left to our own, how do we tend to act, think, treat others, talk to others? And that's not really hard to determine, right? We all know what we would like to do. We all know what we would like to say to that person who really ticks us off. And you can think about those things in your mind and just leave them there because we are in church after all. And then we've talked a little bit deeper about what does God want? Our desires to be? What does he want to flow out of our lives? What flavors should we be bearing in our life? And so we've looked at what is called in scripture the fruit of the spirit. That's one fruit, but it bears many different flavors in our lives. And these are what God tells us that Christians should have these flavors. And it's in a list in the Bible. It's a list. So it's not very hard to discover. It's not a secret. There isn't a whole lot of, or none that I know of, any scholarly debate about any of this. It's just a list in the Bible that says, here's how you should be acting if you are a Christian. And so we've looked at the book of Galatians to find this fruit. And it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there they are. But check out this verse. It happens just a couple before those. And it says, the flesh, that's our natural desires. Our flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So they are in conflict with each other. All right, what does a verse like this tell us? Well, first, it tells us that God is not operating on some disconnected and unrealistic platform. Because there's a common misconception that God's kind of this almighty creator being, and he kind of makes sure that the universe works properly, but we're kind of left on our own here with a real disconnect with the, the human condition and what we're going through. Well, a verse like this and many verses like it in Scripture, paints a different picture of God, that he's very aware of the tension that exists within us. Our desires are opposed to his desires. Our will naturally opposes God's will. The Bible actually says that before you become a Christian, you're an enemy of God because our will is opposed to his. But then when you put your faith in the work of Christ, and his death, and the payment of your sin, and in the resurrection. And when you trust in that, 
the Bible says that we are now not against God, but for him. But the flesh still is not satisfied. Unfortunately, it would be nice if at that moment of salvation, all of that goes away and all of our desires are now God's desires and everything points to him. That's just not the way it happens. In fact, we're going to be in constant tensions between our desires and God's desires for the rest of our lives here on earth until we reach the other side in heaven and reach perfection. That's just going to be the struggle. And that might be a little disappointing and discouraging, but it's just the reality of this. But God says, the good news is that God says, look, I know this struggle is real. However, you still need to be bearing this fruit in your lives, these flavors. And so we've talked about love. We've talked about joy. We've talked about peace. And today, guess what we get to talk about? Patience. Give it up for patience, everybody. No? I've got some work to do on this crowd. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some work this morning. It's funny because whenever I, people would ask, oh, are you speaking this week? What are you speaking on? Oh, patience. So I either got one of two responses. It's, well, I'm not coming to that. <laughs> or, oh, I really need to be there for that. I'm, I'm going to be there. So wherever you might fall on that scope, I'm glad you're here. And I think there's going to be something for each of us that will help us wherever we're at on our faith journey. All right, so here's our big idea for today. Entrust yourself to him who judges justly. And you have talk notes in your programs, or if you want to follow digitally, you know, make notes somehow on today's talk. Because I think this is very, very important for us. I also realize this big idea really doesn't quite make sense yet. How does this have to do with with patience? But I assure you, by the end of today's talk, this big idea will make sense And it's not going to be easy to incorporate into our everyday living. So something to look forward to. (laughs) It's all coming. I say that because I'm naturally a patient person. I kind of trend on the above average side of this. I think many of you who might know me would, would agree. But I still found some things very challenging as I begin to look at this word patience as found in this particular verse. It went a lot deeper than I was anticipating. It took a spin on me. So for those of you who are naturally impatient, I'm pausing to see the elbows, not too many, a few. I feel bad for you because this is going to be even more difficult for you, but there is hope. There is hope, I assure you. All right, so let's dig into this. So our first thinking point is this. The word patience we find here is actually twofold. It means long-tempered and this other word, forbearance. So the word literally translates into English as long-tempered. Some of the older translations you may have read growing up would would be long-suffering. And then more recently, this word has been translated as forbearance. And actually, both words in the English language, are needed to communicate the original intent of the author here. So when he says patience, 
Let's look what that means. So long-tempered. It's the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition may come our way. All right, not too bad so far. I think we all have the ability to do this. I think it's kind of a necessary learned thing in life. We can kind of suck it up and get through some really difficult things. All right, well, then it goes on. So it's that and also to show perseverance without wanting retaliation or revenge. It's getting a little more difficult here. (laughs) All right, let's add in forbearance. So what does forbearance mean? It means putting up with the things other people do or don't do when we wish that they would. You're starting to see why I said this is not going to be very easy this morning. And some of you are already like, I'm out, not my fruit, forbearance, I can't do it. There's, there's, there's too many stupid people around doing really ridiculous things. I can't put up with it. This is going to have to be something I just get in heaven. Fair point. It is difficult. However, none of us are this. Remember, we're naturally opposed to this. We're opposite of this. But there is a power within us where our patience ends. Its patience can take over and bridge the gap. That's kind of the point of this whole thing, of this whole series. None of us are this. But we can be because God's Holy Spirit inside of us is literally changing our minds, changing our hearts, changing our desires, our will, so that it becomes aligned with God's will, so that God's character produces his character through us. So in other words, God's patience should bear patience in our lives as Christ followers. Which leads us to our second thinking point today. God is undeservingly long-tempered towards us. God is undeservingly long-tempered towards us. And you may not think of that initially as being true, especially when you read some of the stories in the Old Testament. It can appear that God's a very angry God and has a short fuse and is very judgmental to people. And we spent a whole Sunday morning a couple of months ago as Pastor Eric unpacked this misconception when it comes to some of these Old Testament stories in a series called God, a Moral Monster, with a question mark. And we found that a lot of these stories, when you actually read and break down the context and you see the time frames that took place and all of the circumstances surrounding it, that God is by far a long-tempered God. And he is soaked in forbearance for his people. He self-describes himself. This is God self-describing himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 34. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And then later, a psalmist used those same words and added to them. So the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us, get this, for all of our sins. And he does not deal harshly with us, again, get this, 
as we deserve. Now, when we think about the blessings of God, we often think about what he gives to us. I'm so blessed to have that. I'm, I'm so blessed to get to experience this. That is such a blessing, and that is certainly the blessings of God, no doubt. However, some of God's greatest blessings are what he withholds from us to our benefit. So let's not lose sight of what we really deserve (laughs) for our sin, for being opposed to him, and the long temperament and the forbearance that he generously gives to us by withholding judgment, for allowing reconciliation to have time to produce. So God's character, his patience, should be bearing patience in our lives. Thinking point number three, and this is just sort of the practical aspect of all of this, maybe even the underbelly of all of this, but it's patience gives all of us a burden to bear. Christopher Wright, the author of Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, the book in which this whole series is based off of, says when God is patient, when God forgives, it is only because God chooses to carry our sins on himself to bear the weight and the cost of them on our own shoulders. Now, we are not able to take the sin off of anyone and place it on us in their place. We can't do that. Only Christ could do that. But in a very small way, we experience what Christ did for us when we choose to extend patience to others. There is a personal sacrifice that patience assumes. And it places a burden on us. And, and this happens all the time with our friends, with our coworkers, their shortcomings, their, their failures, their mistakes put weight onto us undeservingly. And when we choose to allow that to happen, whether that's coworkers or family members, our children, especially as they age and grow up, they begin to maybe go the opposite way than what we were hoping and directed them to be. And there's an anxiety and a weight that comes along with that as we show patience to them and forbearance and forgiveness. And all of this compiles. And a lot of it is undeserved. And frankly, it's unfair. But what do we tell our kids when they say something's unfair? Altogether, life is not fair. That's exactly right. It's not just something we say. It's actually true. (laughs) Life is not fair. We live in a fallen world, which means very little is ultimately good. And people are not perfect. It's important to remember and to be reminded that you're not perfect. (laughs) I'm not perfect. And I put these kinds of weights and burdens on others as well. So the challenge in Scripture, though, is not to find perfection with our patients, we, we can't do that. It, all of us have a threshold of tolerance. Everybody does. And you know when you reach it because you say things like, I am done. I can't take it anymore, right? I am emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally done. I have no more. And we run out of this. So what is the Bible asking? Not perfection, but consistent improvement over time. So Paul, in 1 Corinthians, writes a letter to the church. 
He is not happy with them. He had already been there once, gave them instruction, told them what to do, left, came back, and nothing had changed. And he kind of gives them a kick in the pants and says, look, he actually calls them spiritual infants. He says, you're still drinking milk as a spiritual beverage. You're not even ready for solid food because your lives are no different than when I first came, before you became a follower of Christ. He's not asking them for perfection. He's just asking them for some change, a little improvement here. So what he's saying is if you've been a Christian for several years, for five years, for 10 years, and you're no more patient now than you were then, there is a disconnect. There's a level of disconnect with how you are allowing his spirit to change your heart and your actions and your desires, your will. Thinking point number four. Patience is not only a physical battle. What do I mean by that? Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I'm not trying to freak you out here, because <laughs> this is kind of weird. But I've had a lot of conversations just very recently with several individuals in regards to this because the Bible says there is a very real spiritual enemy of God, Satan. And he's not just God's enemy. He's our enemy as Christians. And he wants to demoralize us. He wants to thwart our attempts to shine and to flavor the world with God's flavor. And he's really good at it. The Bible says that he's the author of lies, that he's a, a lion seeking to devour us spiritually, and he will, and he wants to do that, because the more Christians he can keep from sharing the flavor of God to the world, the less interesting we are to the world, the less interested people are in what we have. And the opposite is true, is when these flavors flow from our lives, people notice. They say, that's not natural in a good way. Something's different in that person. Because everybody here knows that they're wrong. But for some reason, you are choosing to show forbearance for that person. They're wrong. We all know it. I mean, they, they're mean. What they're saying is rude and disrespectful, and certainly there's times for us to defend ourselves. I'm not saying to lay down and let people trample on us, but I'm saying to let the patience of God supernaturally give you strength beyond what you naturally have. That's his role in our lives. So when we're attacked spiritually, from unseen enemies, because a lot of times when it comes to patience, we kind of know what's going on. That person said this, did this, they made me mad, and now I'm impatient with that person. It makes sense. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Things are going on in your mind, and maybe it comes in the form of depression that you've never dealt with before, or maybe it comes in the form of 
maybe even a little bit of hatred towards someone that you're like, wow, where did that come from? They didn't do anything to me. I really don't even like that person, but for some reason, they're really ticking me off right now. Sometimes it's not so easily defined. So how do we combat against those types of attacks? One major way is through prayer. When you don't want to pray, pray. When you don't feel like it, pray. When you don't know what to pray, pray anyways. When you feel like God's not listening, pray. It's what Christ did when he was tempted by the enemy. So prayer is big. Reading scripture is vital because the Bible tells us we need to renew our minds with truth, with the promises of God. And when the enemy is whispering lies and deceit and anger and confusion, then our minds are just being renewed with doubt and confusion and lies. And when we bring in scripture, that begins to filter all of that through a new lens and say, okay, that's not true. I might be thinking that, but it's not true. It's not coming from scripture. And so you can begin to decipher what's coming from the enemy. And then spiritual counsel. Wise spiritual counsel, whether that's a pastor or just a trusted friend that has maybe had a faith journey a little longer than you, who can come alongside of you and speak truth into you and share the things of God with you based on their experiences. Or maybe it's professional counseling, and I would encourage you to get a, spirit, or a, a Christian professional counselor so that they can understand that there is a, a very real physical and mental aspect to what you're going through, but also there's a very real spiritual component to all of this. So the enemy, the attacks, they're real. And it's a very big deal that we get this right so that God's flavor impacts those around us. And when we fall short, we get to say, there's a power within me. That's not me. That's Christ in me that allows me to show all of this well beyond my capacity. And how much power is within us? What's the example of Christ within us? Well, in First Peter, we find him talking about Jesus as he approached his final days. And he starts with this, but if you suffer for doing good, if you suffer, if you have to bear the weight of others for showing patience, if you have to inconvenience yourself, if you have to suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. And that's wild. It's commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, what did Christ do? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Remember our big idea for today? Entrust yourself to him who judges justly. This is where it took a spin for me. This is where it went where I wasn't expecting because this is ultimately a conversation about trust. It's about our spiritual health, our spiritual maturity. Because when we're tired of God saying no or wait, 
and we just push through in our own timing, it's showing a lack of trust in God. When somebody wrongs us and we take revenge out on them and we get back at them, that's a lack of trust in the one who said, revenge is mine, not yours, God tells us. So it's summertime. I think a lot about baseball in the summertime. Anybody else with me? So whether you know a lot about baseball or very little, hopefully this will help kind of paint a little picture in your mind. So when you're playing and your team is up to bat, there's two of your coaches on the field. There's a first base coach and a third base coach. And they're telling you all the signs and signals for what they want you to do at the bat when you're running the bases. And in particular, the third base coach is very important because as you're rounding second going into third, almost the entire playing field is behind you. So as a runner, you're told from little league to major league, watch the third base coach and do what the third base coach says. And he's going to tell you a couple of different things. It might be to get down because it's a close play, you need to slide, or he's giving you the, the wheel to go home, keep it going, keep it going, safe to go. And sometimes he gives you the hold sign and just hold up right here. And if you choose as a base runner to blow through that stop sign and go home, you better pray that you make it home safely because you're getting an earful from the coaches, the manager, the veterans on your team are going to go nuts on you. And even if you do make it, you're still going to get an earful. And perhaps you feel like God has had you at third base for what seems like forever. And he's told you to hold or to wait. See, the thing about the base coach is he sees the entire field, everything that's happening. And he knows things about the players on the field that you don't know. And you might not know what's next in your life, or maybe you, you, you do and you can see it, and it's right there. And I'm going to go and get it because it's right there only to find that you may get there, but the timing's way off and you're thrown out. And now you got to take the walk of shame to the dugout, the crowd's booing, you cost the game, all because of a lack of trust in the one who sees the entire playing field. Some of this comes in time, and there's something very enchanting about an individual or a couple who have been following the Lord for a long time. I'm not talking about several years or even decades. I mean a lifetime of serving and trusting the Lord. I've had the fortunate benefit of having this modeled for me in my life with my parents. And they've been walking with Christ for more than 50 years. And as I've gotten older, I've had to, I've had different conversations with them. And just like every family, there's seasons of, of doubt and unknown seasons in our lives. And I've asked them, you know, are you concerned about this? Is this worrying you? I say yes, but we know the Lord has a plan for us. You'd always say that. I'm like, well, how do you know that? Well, because he's come through for us in the past, time and time again, and we know that he's going to do it again. And if you don't have someone in your life like that, 
find them because their godly wisdom of trusting the Lord and, and, and forming a long-time friendship and trust in him is so beneficial so that they can give you confidence in your spiritual walk as well. So here's our takeaway for today. I got very creative with this. Probably never saw it coming. Entrust yourself to him who judges justly. It's a little repetitive, I know. But when life is unfair, it is, it will be, trust. When you have to bear the burdens of others undeservingly, trust. When people aggravate you and make you mad and tick you off, trust. When tragedy invades, when sickness invades our lives, sometimes all there is is to trust. And in time, over a lifetime, you begin to learn God comes through. And we can't say, God, you're not doing a good enough job, so I'm going to have to do it for you. You're not good enough at what you do, so I'm going to have to get there on my own. It kind of sounds ridiculous, but that's our actions say just that at times. When the attacks of the enemy just will not relent, trust. And when your threshold of patience is out, as you mature in your faith, you begin to learn how to take those burdens and pass them to the one who can bear them. And we don't have to load up ourselves with all of those burdens. Christ said, my burden is light. Give them to me so that your burden can be light, that you can find peace in your life. He is an infinite supply of this, and that power is within us. And as we learn to trust the Lord, we begin to take those burdens off of ourselves and place them on Christ where they belong. And that's how you can get to a place where people look at you and say, wow, where is that coming from? What is all that patience about? That's unnatural. We can trust in the one who takes care of those who loves him. God says, I've got you. I've got you. I know this is hard. I know it hurts. But hang with me because I see the whole playing field here. I know the players. I know things you don't know. We say that to our kids all the time. If they would only trust what we know to be true, we see things they don't see. And they don't see that. If they would, they could avoid a lot of pain. And I think we can avoid a lot of pain when we learn to trust the one who's looking out for us. And we begin to see he's come through for us in the past and I know he's going to do it again. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for our time together. And thank you for the truth that's found in your scripture. Thank you for your power that you've given us as Christ followers that
where we fall short, you pick up the slack. And that as we grow, your flavor flows through us and it makes people interested in what we have. Help us not to be spiritual infants, but to mature and to take the advice of the Apostle Peter and count it commendable when we go through hard times because our faith is being strengthened. We're being matured spiritually and our trust is growing in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.